This is Multinew Media. I'm Chase Raz, the host of Multinew Media, and I just want to let you know that today we have a pretty big episode for you and something that I think is really, really valuable. This may be the first in a series of more educational or informational uh, episodes, but we'll see how that goes over time. For now, let's just jump right into the episode as soon as possible. This is e-commerce 101. Hi everybody, I am Chase Raz and this is episode 48 of Multi New Media. With me today, Chris Ayers. We're, How are you doing? Uh, hi, hi. I, I was I was going to do a big introduction for you, but um, I oh, think that's... Oh, I don't need a big introduction? No. I let no. my actions speak for themselves. Actually, that's a really good way to live. So what are the actions we are here for today? What are, what are we talking about? E-commerce, right? That's, uh, that is a thing. I think I'm going to call this episode E-commerce 101. I, I kind of put that as a note to you and said, hey, do you want to talk about e-commerce later? And I said, let's do an e-commerce 101. For some reason, I guess maybe my um, education background, that interests me. We don't really number things in that way anymore. You know, it's all on the thousands levels. 201, 301. Yeah, now we, now we do by thousands. Thousand level, 2,000 level, three, and you know, all that. But um, Right, that's because, what, there's so many different subjects? Well, yeah. Underwater basket weaving. <laughs> I would hope that's 1,000 level. Higher order math. Right. If, you, if you're taking a 7,000 level underwater basket weaving, you are, I don't know, you're a Martian indigenous person who, I don't know, whatever. I can't even come up with anything for that. So e-commerce 101, I'm not perfectly clear where this conversation is going to go. Um, I'm not either, considering I'm currently working on an e-commerce project at work. So I'm kind of uh, very focused on the thing I'm working on, um, but I don't know if that translates well into e-commerce in whole, uh, as a whole. Well, I think that's good because I have a background with working with certain types of e-commerce, but then again, I get that same question of how does that translate into the whole picture, but I think this resonates with the business people out there, and you know, this one, unapologetically, I have to go to the small business and and not even midsize really, because by midsize you've got a couple of employees. You can maybe hire some contractors. We hope um, if the finances allow. But for small business, I think there is this utter sense of being lost with e-commerce. Uh, let's see what e-commerce has been around. Um, when we talk, you know, our, our modern day e-commerce of talking about the web specifically, it's been around for over two decades. But how many businesses are really leveraging that technology the way they should? I would guess even the ones that are leveraging it are saying, yeah, we could probably do better. Um, the company I'm at is is definitely striving to improve and, and do more. Um, I mean, we've we got the giants in the space, and then you've got a bunch of the middle tiers uh, companies in the space. But even my local game store, uh, they have a, a shop online, and they sell product online and ship it out. So, I mean, it, it is accessible to a lot of people. And then you have Etsy where – People can knit, crochet, paint, or create something and just sell them one just at a time out of their there, garage yeah. so or it, bedroom. You know, it's it's such a difficult thing to, to figure out how to begin. And, and I want to start with a series of questions. Um, so if somebody is an absolute 
um, business beginner with e-commerce and saying, you know, we, we haven't done X, Y, or Z, how do we do it? Th- these first questions are, you know, do you have to have a website to get involved in e-commerce? And I don't know about your answer, but I'm going to say not really, but it's encouraged. I would lead to, well, okay. So your own website or a presence on the web? Because a website is a misleading question to me. I, I do agree with that. And so let me follow so, up and so, say my second question would be, do you have active social media? And we'd start rolling through all these questions. Uh, but, again, but, but let's rewind to where your point is. Why so is website a trick is, question? So a lot of people, like my wife, for instance, she crochets a lot. She was thinking about starting an Etsy shop, which means Etsy's a big web- website, kind of like eBay. And you can create an account and post things to it to sell. She doesn't own Etsy. She's not going to make it go out and make a whole website, but she can have a profile on this thing and sell items. Right. So she has a presence versus I'm going to make www. I hand crocheted some stuff and then I'm now selling it online.com. Right, right. That so that might be my own website. Now it could be pointing back to the Etsy shop or uh, WordPress site or, or something, but it might be my own thing that I design and maintain and or pay someone to. Yeah, so you, you don't necessarily have to go out. And, and I think all too often uh, we as business people get caught up in saying, okay, here's my .com or .whatever, and I need a store there. But other options exist. So you may want to sell on social media, on your website, you may not want to bother with either of those and just use those for promotion or not at all. Um, I don't know many people that sell via social media, but they usually advertise. So I see advertisements on yeah. like the Instagrams and you know pictures of your products, Facebook, Twitter, um, all that sort of stuff. They send messages. They gain awareness. They gain uh, publicity. Uh, Pinterest is another one. They, they get interest to their products, mm-hmm. and then it leads back to the website or the shop or the whatever. I mean, I, th- I think the same thing is true, not just website, not just social media, but the same is true for a mobile application. Um, and and I, I'm going to just stop myself on that tangent there because we'll need to revisit mobile apps. I've got a lot to say about mobile apps, but that's neither here nor there for this episode. I don't think that's required to speak about e-commerce. No, but, you know, the idea of Okay, I'm gonna. I, I hate this term, but the idea of e-commerce and e-commerce spilling over into the mobile space and being able now to you're get just people. Confusing things. Well, no, it's <laughs> it's it's a valid point though because the primary cons- consumption device for most people, uh, even here in the United States these days, tends to be their phone. Right. Well, that that's fine, but if you're talking about e-commerce, it's electronic commerce, which means we're doing some exchange electronically, and the endpoint could be a phone or a computer. That's fine, but the if you're going e-commerce 101, you just assume there's some endpoint where someone's interacting with your system. Right, right. So, so you don't specifically generalize need... Generalize it. You're going too specific, I think. Let's no, and I, and I think that's my point. I don't want people to think that, oh, if they want to sell to people who are using a cell phone that they need a mobile app specifically. No, no. They let's, just... let's forget your questions for a second. Okay. We're doing 101 here. What are the basic pieces of an e-commerce system? Let's do this piece by piece. Let's start with traditional e-commerce. By traditional, I mean well, what mid-size and large businesses do. That well, are. Think, let, let me explain my side of it then. Okay. E-commerce, just very general, from small to big, what doesn't matter. You have a list of products. So you have some database somewhere with some products. 
So list of products. That that is your product catalog. You let's call that item one because you're enumerating a list that um th- yep, yep. that went through my head earlier in the research for this. Yep. You and I, I'm glad catalog. you bring it up. So item one, product catalog. Well, yep. uh, no, product item. listing. Not necessarily even the catalog. I, I want to reserve catalog for what we commonly call a catalog. Well, this was my list. Remember. Okay, let's go with your list, and then I'll then I'll tear it to shreds. <laughs> so there's a product catalog that has a listing of all of your products, and this might be in a database, this might be just a web page, this might be something, but this is where you would put all of your products and items that you're wanting to sell or have transactions on. That doesn't mean how they're displayed, that doesn't mean how people see them, it's just where you keep your list of stuff. Product catalog. Yeah, you might or might not have an inventory associated with that product catalog you know i have five sweaters for sale you know and someone buys one you change it down to four somehow so you have your product catalog you're going to need an interface of some kind that could be the website that could be my little profile on etsy that could be my mobile app some way to look at the things and then you're going to need a way to do transactions as in maybe i have a cart I can add products to my cart, and I can check out. So you have to have a way to take money. Otherwise, it's not very successful e-commerce. That's more of have free stuff. And in the back end, you need this is where your fulfillment comes in, where you need to actually ship or send them the stuff. Otherwise, it's just theft. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it's e-commerce, it's more like a, a promotional giveaway. Right, so there's a couple of pieces, and each one has a different way of doing it. And there are different ways. There's sometimes there's packages that do all of them. Otherwise, you can mix and match different pieces. But those are some of the the ones I see. Now, did I miss a part for you? No, no, no you're absolutely right. Marketing. Um, I was going. No, no, no. I was going a little bit more uh, academic, maybe a little more clinical. Right. Um, so for item one, I would put. Um, definitely like you did it, but I'm going to call it database instead of catalog and, and you'll see why in a moment. Uh, but I'm going to say oh. the exact same thing you did with different words. I don't care if it's actually in a database. Well, right. Cause someone might just have a web page that they go and they edit and they change it. Right. It might not be now the real database, but the it reason might- I'll say database is because it does need to have some database feature features. It needs to be accessible in some way because I don't really want to run e you can but I don't really want to see people run e-commerce and say okay go to my website and look at all these products and then phone it into me or manually type it through an email you can do that but you're that, going to lose a lot of, the of cart sales transaction process I was talking about right so when I break it down item 1 is that database we just need a good data model to store all the information about our our products or services our quantity our cost our item number all of that stuff that's item 1 for me now I I specifically break out item 2 as a catalog this is the the viewing mechanism the interaction mechanism for somebody a customer to see what products you have available at that time and what quantities if you want them to sure, see that's that. your inventory management correct and i'm going to call that catalog so we're, we're doing the same thing item okay. three shopping cart same story so mm-hmm. you, you got to have a way to select it uh, item four we agree here as well payment processing you got to transact the business and then i'm not going to go into payment five i'm going to say everything that have or item five everything that goes after the payment process is really your order fulfillment like you mentioned we're a hundred percent in agreement there i really do think that it would be important for us to come back in the future and talk about some of the order fulfillment um some of the technology um uh, can't even speak the technological well, there. side there's also some additional advanced topics like 
abandoned cart tracking. Yeah, Marketing. those. Yeah, yeah. Level, whoa, 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 whoa. Codes. Those, those are level four thousand. Those may be level <laughs> seven thousand. I mean, yeah. So, um, anyways. And, and in fact, so you how, know what? We'll circle how, back to that in a little bit, though. I do have a note here that I want to talk a little bit about the analytics. But we agree, we've got we've got to have a listing of our products, some way for people to see them, some way for for people to select them, and then a way for the people to say yes, I want this and pay for it. Yep. All right. Okay. So great. I think we have a good definition um, going forward. Now, I I want to get some of the hard work out of the way. Um, here, I, I'm going to call this early in the in the show. If we go too long, we'll break it up into a two-parter. But I'm going to call this early. What I when I was saying traditional e-commerce before, I mean larger businesses that are running their own websites. They have a server. I, maybe you're even a small business and have a virtual hosting account. I I don't care. You're you're running some type of server to deliver your site, um, and you install some code as a part of your website. Yeah, WordPress, some 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 package of some kind, some software. Well, not necessarily. And I don't know if I'm I don't want to fool something. people. WordPress doesn't WordPress. inherently, it right? Be, but WordPress doesn't inherently have e-commerce. No, no, no. There could be uh, an e-commerce package. Could be Sitecore. Could be an Adobe thing. It could be Open Commerce. There, there's a, a bunch of packages. Right, and there's three general levels that I'd want to break this into. The first okay. of which is enterprise. Now this is my weak spot, and I'm going to have you help me with that in just a moment. Then I'm going to—I'm I, inventing terms here. These aren't—I'm just trying to sort my thoughts out. I'm going to go to a sort of general availability list next. These are the things that if you run a website and have access to a server, whether it's a virtual shared host or whether it's a, you know, co-located set of uh, blade servers somewhere, you can install um, pre-made, either proprietary or open source. Uh, shopping carts and uh, other e-commerce tools and then there's the option of building your own now first of all let's get this one out of the oh, way I think you've got you missed a step oh you I missed, missed one completely what I miss online hosted e-commerce sites oh no no we're yeah no I break that out completely third party so you are absolutely right yeah, we, we just third, yeah we, we so think logically in different start ways with that because Start with that. Not everyone's ready to. If they're running their own server, they're going to have an IT person. I'm going to throw something at you because I was uh, I was flipping a coin in my mind, not literally. I was flipping a coin earlier, trying to figure out which of those should come first, the third party or the first party. party. Okay, because let's go third party. If you have a first party, you have a staff, or you're running a server, so you're savvy enough to look this stuff up. So you have some people or some resources to help you figure it out. You've sold if, me. You've sold if, me. You're a small business that doesn't know a bunch of high-end computer stuff, doesn't know, you know, what servers to run, how to configure, or any of that. They just want to know. I can go to some websites, find completely third-party hosting where I can pick some themes, pick some stuff, upload some images, and I'm good to go. Well, there is one caution I came up with going this route uh, earlier when I was kind of thinking through this in my mind. As you get into some of the third-party options, there are hybrids as well. And sure. so knowing a little bit about third-party payment acceptance, which most people call payment processors, I'm going to try to avoid doing that in this episode. We're talking about the PayPals and the squares. I'm going to try to avoid doing that because payment processor is a technical entity as a part of the payment acceptance system. They sit between... All right, you're losing I'm going people. way advanced. This sits between you're, you're the payment people. gateway and the financial networks. So you're PayPal Square... People. So here's the thing. No, but it's good. For PayPal and Square, I'm just going to call those third-party payments. That's fine. You just need a way 
to take people's money. So you can take, uh, you can accept credit cards. That's, you can accept that's a quintessential PayPal story of business. Else. I just need a way to take people's money. Right. And so you do not have hooks into the credit card network. Right. You don't. Somebody else does. They're the gateway. They're the, the vendor that does it. So if you accept PayPal, they act like that for you. Or Square, they act like that for you. So right. you just need a solution that will accept payments of the types you want. Correct. Now, I, so I, I do want to make sure for an absolute beginner that we break, that we tease this, not go into any detail, but we can do that in one of two ways. The third party that we've been describing, PayPal um, and Square are the two I think we keep coming back to. But you can also, that, that term we keep using, gateway, you can also technologically choose to send the payment information to that gateway yourself without having to go to PayPal, without having to go to Square. You can do that even with some of these third parties we're about to talk to. That is called a merchant account, but we'll save you're, that for another day. You're getting ahead again. Absolutely. All right, so look. Just teasing where we're going. You're confusing people. <laughs> That's my life. So, mom and pop shop, you, maybe you like to crochet things or you like painting or, or doing whatever. You want to make a product. You want to sell a product. Play-Doh sculptures. Something. Easiest way to do it is go and find an e-commerce hosting site out there. I know some of the site builder websites that let you design websites like Squarepa Squarespace, I think. Um, Squarespace, Weebly, Wix. Weebly, Wix, all of those have an e-commerce type option. And so they provide ways to take payments, ways for people to uh, make accounts, ways for people to manage carts, you can pretty much just go in there and go, I want to make it a storefront. I want to add this category. I want to add these items. Add some pictures to the items. You're online. You're selling stuff. Right now, yeah. Now, See, somebody should be scratching their head right now and saying, hey, didn't we experiment with a Wix site or a Weebly or a Squarespace? Right, because you, you may have already encountered these tools because they're about building a website and they just happen to have these e-commerce or online store right. additions. And that's um, something most small businesses have experimented with. Here's where the different stuff comes into effect. You want to look at how much it costs per month. You mm -hmm. want to see if there's a limit to the transactions, if there's a cost per transaction, um, you know, what type of payments they allow. Those are the type of things just to be aware of. Right. Um, usually if you're smaller, um, you have lower limits to do things. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and for the sake of. And, and you don't need to get the highest end at the beginning. No, um, no. Yeah. Please don't try it out. Yeah. Because for the sake of time earlier, um, before we recorded, I went to a lot of these different properties we're talking about and got um, their pricing. So if you are on Wix, your entry level tier into e-commerce is $16 a month and their top end option is 34 a month. Weebly, the low end, $8 a month, the top end, 25 square space, a little bit higher. Uh, starting at twenty six to forty dollars a month. Again, pretty reasonable we're for just small business. Ballpark, you know, the numbers will change. Yeah, so uh, I, I will call that out for a reason. I want to interject this. There seems to be a sweet spot in pricing. Whether we talk about site builders and when we talk about some more dedicated things uh, over the next few minutes, I've kind of noticed um, there is a sweet spot of about thirty dollars per month. Um, you don't have to pay that much. There are definitely cheaper options. But if you are a small business and you think from your customer's point of view of what you would expect from someone else running a store, discounts, gift card acceptance, 
taking all major credit cards, e-checks, having as many products available online as possible. That tends to, you can pretty much get all of that for a good small business at around $30 a month. Yep. Sorry, that was a tangent I had to go on. It's fine. So that's the lowest level to entry, and it's fine. I mean, I guess even lower level would be setting up just like a user profile on some of these sites like eBay or Etsy or or Pinterest and linking off to something else. I mean, a lot of people did get started with eBay. I I agree with that. Um, I think from a size point of view that I wouldn't necessarily say that that's lower tier than a site builder because no, again, I mean from size like if you're trying to see if something's got interest or something sure. might be viable as a product before you go out I mean if you know it's going to be successful and you do this thing great if you're just making one or two things a month and you don't think that a huge cart system and website is going to be needed to sell a couple of things a month like if it's just you making some some craft items at home right and you're only making one or two a month put them up on Etsy one or two a month I mean oh no I absolutely agree that's I, fine. I, I, admittedly I'm, I'm going a little more pedagogical here because what I mean is what we're currently talking about third-party solutions I would categorize the uh, things like Amazon eBay Alibaba sure. Etsy as marketplaces. They are marketplaces. Now, I'm going to give them that designation, though, for a reason, because each one's going to serve a particular market. Alibaba's going to be major importers, exporters, manufacturers. Etsy's going to be smaller craftspeople, although you don't yeah. have to necessarily be small. Right. But I don't I don't know if I would necessarily... I'm thinking about level of effort as a person running a marketplace, as a True. person starting an e-commerce. Right, yeah, that's going to be the lowest account, technical. I add end. some items, I'm done. Absolutely. Versus... I have to design a site with this click builder thing. Right. Um, add my catalogs and products. I have to do. It's more involved. Okay. So I just step. didn't want to give anybody the impression that you would start on, you know, eBay and then move off of it, um, or that you have to start on one of these marketplaces. Oh. It's just it is a lower technical barrier to entry. Um, and that's how I'm organizing things sure. in my head. Like the amount of effort involved is someone else is maintaining the servers and software, and I just make an account and add yeah. some stuff. I'm done. Versus. Okay, I'm now maintaining the site a little bit with this thing. I make changes. You know, I can change the look and feel. I can change all the stuff. It's just my store. That's great. The next tier would be what you were talking about before. I have access to a server or a website through like some sort of website hosting mm-hmm. where I completely control everything that's visible on that website. Right. I have to choose the the CMS or the website I'm going to put up there. I have to choose the commerce system I'm going to put up there. I've got to choose the email templates and the mail sender I'm going to use. Like I have to do more work. And, you know, I'm reaching into the future here and I'm thinking of some of the emails we'll get and I'm thinking of the questions that people are asking themselves right now in their car sitting at work and they say, well, that sounds like me, but how do I know? If you are on a, a shared host, a virtual host, a dedicated host, a co-located host, you or running your own, your own servers, and you have to log into the absolutely things, if that's the you or the the website or SSH into it or FTP into it, you right. have to do this yourself. Well, and, and and that's absolutely it. If you bought your own domain and didn't just have to type it into somebody saying, "Okay, this is my domain," if you had to configure that domain to point somewhere, or your host had to do it for you, which you would but know then if again, that happened. You, they already knew that, right? If 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 well, no, there are people who purchase domains and they just tell a service like um, 
uh, Wix, hey, use this domain. And that's something you can do too. Right. Yeah, so okay, I'm, I'm splitting hairs there. We can go... Um, actually, no, let, let's pause there for a moment. So if you are running your own site, um, that's kind of where I was talking before, these options of building your own, some generally available software, and then the enterprise-level software. Yes, and that's where you were getting ahead. Yeah, like can, you can you help me with the enterprise software, though? Because this is my weak we'll spot. We'll get there when we get there. Oh, my goodness, where are we doing, going next? We're doing middle tier right now. We're oh. doing the, the people who are on one server, and that's probably their only server. Enterprise okay. is like a server farm or a rack. Right. Dozens of servers. Let's start with one. How about that? Sure. Let's start, start with let's one. Let's start with one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you today. Uh, I'm going to have you, you go ahead and like list this. Organization of information is a thing. I should send you. I actually am looking at notes. I should send you my notes. It's um. We are saying the. It's eerie. We're saying the exact same thing, but have a drastically different outline for it. I don't have an outline. I never do. You know this. Ooh, then I win. My out. No, yeah. Go for go for it. So we're talking middle tier. So most people. I I I think I can be safe to say that most people that just bought a server and shared or like shared hosting and a website. Usually, we'll do some sort of open source uh, CMS or, or or website. Right, ZenCart, so Magento, AgoraCart. Uh, oh, you're talking CMS now. I'm just talking CMS. Just CMS, WordPress, Drupal, Joomla. Right, they're on something like that. Mm-hmm. You can take those type of softwares, and a lot of them have modules you can add on to add e-commerce features. There's still a bunch of configuration and things you have to do, like you have to usually pick a third-party payment system, maybe have to pick a mail system so you, to email like order confirmations and stuff. You have to do some configuration on those. The other option is... What, you mean, what you mean on a shared host, you don't just have access to send mail? Well, sure, but you have to do some configuration. <laughs> no, you, you, pr- you probably shouldn't have access to send mail on a shared host. Uh, most of them don't use SendMail anymore. And that, um, a lot of them use like Postfix and stuff because of a lot of the vulnerabilities in SendMail. But that's just me. Um, you are correct, sir. So the other option that you, from using the CMS stuff and adding on things to make it e-commerce capable is to use an e-commerce site or e-commerce software from the beginning. And that's what I was listing before. Um, Agoracart, OS Commerce, PrestaShop, Zencart, Magento. OpenCart, OpenCommerce, yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, those type. I mean, and, and listen, folks, if, if you have some experience with this and we're not listing yours, that list goes on and on and on. We would probably need to do a two-hour show of doing nothing but listing titles if we were to um, list everything that's out there. But the, the bottom line is these are things you install on your server. Right. And, 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 and not even necessarily. Upon- Sometimes you just upload the script. Well, it depends upon the server, too. There are some that are just PHP, some that are Ruby, some that are ASP. So sometimes you have to look and see, am I running the right server? You know, but if you're running your own server, you're probably used to that sort of stuff. Right, right. So we're, we're hoping that we can stay one-on-one level and, and let folks who are nodding their heads go, yeah, okay, I've kind of got that. Um, that is an option. Now, let's... um. Let's go beyond that a little bit. I, I want to take a detour. Uh, I mentioned earlier building your own. I want to start this at the the sort of mid-level here when we're talking about um, virtual hosting, dedicated hosting. 
Let's get it out of the way there. You can absolutely build my own. You wouldn't. I'm a senior developer. I wouldn't build my own. Do you realize how many things there are to handle in an e-commerce system? Well, we just enumerated four of them. Database, catalog, right. shopping We're cart, payment processing. We're talking super high level. I'm talking low level the implementation details. Like, um, like let's say you're at your catalog with your inventory. What happens if two people add, you have three products left, two people add two products each into their cart and then try to check out? Mm-hmm. That's an issue you have to be aware of. Absolutely. Like, how, how do you handle, oh, I don't have enough inventory anymore. How do you... Um, you know, keep track of the order history, cart maintenance. There are so many technical details and, and technical problems that you can run into writing your own from scratch. The reason there are so many out there on the market is because there are people that have done that, and I wouldn't bother. I would just use one of the ones that are out there and move on. Yeah, now I, I would people say this, People get into though. this to sell stuff. People don't get into this to write an e-commerce system. Absolutely. And that's <laughs> where I'll say, though, if your business has a need uh, or you're hiring a developer, um, you probably don't need to write your own. But I did want to point this out, that if you're just writing your catalog and your shopping cart, probably pretty safe. Um, Use a plugin for WordPress. Don't write your own. Yeah, if you're using WordPress, right? Use a plugin for whatever CMS you're using. Don't write your own. Oh, see, we, we're going to go back and forth on this one because remember, when I do web stuff, I tend to specialize with clients who do everything without frameworks, and that just and blows your mind why people would do that. You know, it doesn't blow my mind. To me, again, what is the target? What is the, what is the end goal? What is the prize? You want to do e-commerce. You want to sell things electronically. Right, so, but what if we're talking a mid-sized business by this point running a dedicated server? Right, a lot of them. Or using a lot the cloud of installation. Systems have all the back end plumbing and algorithms and work done and allow the front end to be very fluid and they just provide APIs. So JavaScript APIs, C sharp, you know, PHP APIs where you can just call the stuff and hook into the system. Right. So all it is is a data repository where I can say, give me this catalog, give me a new cart, add this item to my cart. I want to place that order for this cart, I want to check out. It's all API driven. So you don't really care that much about how the backend is implemented if you can just interact with it in a data way. So it can look however you want it to look. You don't need to write your own. True. You shouldn't write your own. I see, part. and that's where we, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. I do think Chase, that somebody many, may have a uh, an, a reason to write their own. And that's the type of, of thing I tend to work with. <laughs> this is where you're going to spend way too much time and effort on the problem that's not really the problem. The problem is I want to make money selling stuff. The problem is not I want to implement e-commerce from scratch. Maybe I want to make it look awesome and unique. Cool. Have a back-end system that provides APIs and make the front-end completely awesome and unique. Who, who cares what runs the back-end? The back-end is is just the engine. You could put the engine in any number of cars. Right. So selecting a um, selecting one of these off the shelf sort of pieces of software, or as we disagree, potentially doing something a little bit cus more customized. Uh, well, you're arguing for customization as well. You, just I'm saying customize the front end. For the most part, if the 
cart and e-commerce back end supports all the features you want in the language you want. Most of them are even modular and extensible. You can customize the, um, let's say there's a, a, a tax estimation thing where it goes through all the, the line items in your cart that maybe have different customizations. I want the red shirt over the blue shirt. You, you, you know, I want um, the small versus the large, wh whatever. And it can go through and calculate the right pricing options and then estimate tax based on your, your region and all that. That's awesome. Let the system work for you. Let it do its thing. Okay, so is is that where we move on to enterprise? Yeah, a, a lot of enterprise systems buy e-commerce systems because e-commerce can be hard. Absolutely. Especially when you start dealing with matters of scale. You know, you want performant things, you want inventory management, you want individualized SKUs, you want tax and uh, total pipelines essentially to go through and calculate stuff. You want variants of objects. You want linkages and relationships where you can do bundles or this thing customizes that thing. There's a lot of stuff there. Well, see, that's where I was thinking and going off on the tangent of building your own earlier. The reason There's I no was, need to. No, the, the reason I was on that tangent that is because I think the only place that that desire even exists is in mid-sized business. By the Maybe time you're enterprise, does. you want the external guarantees. You want someone else handling that. You don't necessarily want to tax your – you really want to do that as a last regard or a last resort unless that's the business you're in. All of those things, variants, customizations, and all that usually exist as some sort of module for an e-commerce system. Or they're like, hey, here's a hook on how you can call your own code to do the thing you want to do. There's no need to write everything from scratch. Most enterprise or mid-level shops do not start from scratch. I am adamant that I think this is it's a bad idea, and I don't think even the mid-sized businesses write their own from scratch. Some some very large companies write their I own from scratch. I don't think they write their own from scratch, usually. With seven, eight figures, nine figures, mm -hmm. like they use... External systems. They use systems that have been implemented by other people. And see, this is where I get completely lost. Once you go to the enterprise level, I don't know who they're using, what they're using, what scales up, right. leading like towards Microsoft multiple Dynamics servers. Microsoft Dynamics is a thing. Like, they have a commerce system. There used to be Microsoft Commerce Server. There, there's a Sitecore Commerce Server. There's Microsoft Dynamics. Adobe has a, a commerce system and they, they do some stuff that hooks in with Photoshop. So you can, like, put a picture of a shirt and change the colors to see the different variants of it. Like, yeah, Microsoft and Adobe are in this space because it's hard <laughs> to do some of this stuff. That's why I'm like, nobody writes their own. They want to use a are system those, that implements it. Are Microsoft, Adobe, are those the ones you see most commonly in enterprise, or is there anybody else that... Um, oh, I'm sure there's other places. I, I mean, I think Oracle and, uh, you know, uh, Adobe exists in the e-commerce space. Doesn't SAP that yeah, I don't they know. They do CRM, but I think they also do full supply chain where they talk about, hey, these resources are coming in. Hey, but, these resources. Well, yeah, are being they, these all products. have ERP, but I'm, uh, do no, they have and then dedicated these products? E are being built into SKUs. Hey, this inventory of our SKUs is available for sale through this e commerce site. Like some of those big boys. But does Microsoft have something, let's say through Microsoft Dynamics, do they have something that then integrates with ASP.NET and then en enables somebody to say... They okay. have back-end hooks. 
And I'm sure that there's a generic front end for it, but a lot of it's back end hooks that you can, you know, call as APIs and put it on whatever front end you want. Because I know nothing about the enterprise level. Why? Um, so talking about multiple servers, where did multiple servers come into this? Because oh, I was just mentioning multiple servers because you you're going to have multiple front end websites. You're going to want to handle you know, thousands of visitors a second. So you're going to have a web farm where each web server is load balanced, handling a small fraction of the clients. They're all talking to probably a, a scaled out middle tier that has multiple middle tier, tier servers talking to a database cluster so it can quickly display the products and manage the carts, place the orders, you know, hook into other payment systems like this is where they become their own kind of payment gateway and they don't have a third party. Ooh, all of that's a little bit over my head. <laughs> yeah. Like if you like, uh, it's called Adobe experience manager. That's one of the e-commerce systems. Microsoft dynamics is an e-commerce system. Uh, Sitecore commerce is an e-commerce system. Okay. So we need at least know a few places to SAP. look in the enterprise space. Let's backtrack a little bit because we talked about site builders we talked yeah. about then integrating potentially you use one of these site builders or then you maybe run your own website and, and want to uh, use a CMS or add into a CMS or one of these e-commerce solutions on top of that CMS. But then as we went down the enterprise path, I think we got, you know, and, and rightfully so, we're, we're teasing what comes in the future for somebody in this space, but we're well beyond the one-on-one level. What about... Um, I don't know what to call these. I'll call these store offerings. The services that aren't there to help you build a website, they're there to help you build and run an online store, but they'll help you make that online store your website if you want. I'm talking about the Shopify's and the, the stuff big... we talked about at the beginning. Well, no, no we didn't talk <laughs> about Shopify and big commerce. I mean, these are, are, it's the idea of taking, uh, Zencart was my background in e-commerce because you know I come from the PHP world. You, you say, Love "Hey, it. I want to make this thing a site," and they—it's called a multi-tenant. Well, exactly. Where they have a single e-commerce thing. Exactly. We're talking about multi-tenancy, cloud-hosted, completely right. software as a service. So, so you're throwing words. Let, let's let's define them. Explain them. So you always do this. So let's backtrack a little bit. <laughs> yes. When let's. we when we talked about Zencart, so multi-tenant. When we multi-tenant, talked about, for instance is there's one piece of code, like one one version of the website code, but there's multiple databases behind it, essentially. And if you try to visit that server as website A, it looks like a certain way, and you get website A. If you come and visit the same server as website B, it uses a different database, and you see different products. It's website B. It looks different. So it's one piece of code with multiple tenants operating out of it. At the same time. So that's multi-tenant. Okay, I'm going to choose to do this through an example. <laughs> okay, be my guest. So we have the shopping cart systems that you can put on your website. We've talked about those. What happens when you don't want to run your own website? What happens when you want that as software as a service, just like you get yep. Microsoft Word or just like you get your Adobe Creative Cloud? You say, I just want this turnkey solution. Well, 
Uh, I keep picking on Zencart because of my background. Zencart doesn't have that. They don't have a hosted, what we could otherwise call a hosted or, or like you were saying, multi-tenant solution where you can just sign in, set everything up. They manage everything for you and it's run as a service. And now, this is slightly different than the Etsy shop where the Etsy shop is still is, Etsy. It, yeah, it's right. It's completely, place, completely it's service. Etsy. Mm-hmm. This right. is someone comes to www.imsellingstuffonline.com. Mm-hmm. And it's your site. Right. So but, we're not a marketplace. We are our own online uh, store, our own presence. Right. But we don't want to have to, we want a turnkey solution. We don't want to have to deal with the technicals of installation and maintenance of the software. For the services that don't offer the hosted version, they don't offer that turnkey. Uh, some of them do, by the way. Press to shop. You can choose. Do you want to download the the code and install it on your server or, or, or upload the script or do you want to have a turnkey solution? But these offerings, some of the biggest ones right now are Shopify and BigCommerce. The pricing on these really tells you where they sit because they're definitely not open source, but they're a little bit more expensive than the site builders we talked about earlier. So Wix and Weebly and Squarespace, we talked about, hey, you can get in for 10, 15, 20 bucks. But 30 was a sweet spot. Well, 30 is still a sweet spot to me here, but these off these store offerings, they tend to start at $30. They tend to be where the site builders trail off, where they stop service. And then they go up to one, two, three hundred dollar a month uh, service tiers. Now gotcha. you're still getting about the same thing. Why would a small business, a mid-sized business say, well, if thirty dollars is the the sweet spot that Chase Raz keeps telling us exists, why would I pay two hundred or three hundred? And that it's was what you branding. Well, not not the own branding because you're going to get that anyway, paying the thirty dollars because you can use this as turnkey. You can create your own site using them if you want to. If you don't want to have to uh, um, run your own site. So what do you think it's for? What do you think the, the what it's for is actually what you were talking about before with the enterprise level of getting some of the analytics, getting some of the reporting, looking at what's happening to the shopping cart when people abandon a cart, what's being abandoned uh, at what frequency. You can get that at other places. You can, and you can get that with a lot of the open source, but having those generated as reports for you, um, not having to have a team do that, just having them available in a dashboard. Well, the $30 ones that you can uh, see a lot of those type of statistics too. Right. Those are provided to you. Now, I still don't see what the justification is for. Well, but that's only one of the cost. factors. The, the other factor is for workplace management. So let's say you have a team of two people, five people, 10 people, and you need to assign them different access levels and different access rights to running the online store, sort of emulating what you would do uh, as an enterprise or as installing your own software, whether it's proprietary or open source, when you need that functionality, that's where they're really hooking you for these one, two, three hundred dollar packages. They don't provide those at the lower levels. No, at the, at the lower levels, you're typically same thing like logging into Wix. You're typically one member with com right. complete I, I, authorization. Yeah, yeah. So it it is more for um for business scaling. In fact, I think that's how I'll, how I'll boil it down is, is scalability, not necessarily of the e-commerce site itself, but scalability of your operations around e-commerce, nah, if that makes sense. that's a bad word to use in IT. Business scalability, not technical. Sorry. I don't like that word anyways. <laughs> oh, really? I love it. Uh, that would be more... It's a primary benefit of the cloud, right before multi-tenancy, which you brought up. But then again, I'm going academic again. Yeah, well, you're just trying to confuse people at this point. You do that too much. A little bit too much. You do. Um, there is another offering, though. So we, we talked about going, um, we, we started at the very beginning and said um, that well, you I can. Well, I tried to. 
<laughs> yeah, we tried. Um, talk about using these site builders that you can use uh, these store offerings like Shopify and BigCommerce. But there's also another avenue if somebody's really, oh, oh, we talked about marketplaces as well. But the other avenue that someone may want to consider is using Square or PayPal, the yeah. third-party payment, pro, uh, I said I wouldn't call them a processor, the third-party payment solution themselves. Square, um, not always for free. I think they're about 25 to $40, depending on the level you choose. We'll set up an e-commerce site for you. Huh. Um, but, but then again, they're basically doing the same thing Shopify does of here's a store. You can make it your website if you want. So why is Square doing it? Just to stay active in the market and say, here's a, an easy alternative. You're already using Square. They give you slightly lower payment fees. I don't, just because I don't believe so. Well, the reason I say that is, uh, and this is usually true in all business. The more layers, the more everybody, you know, everybody takes a little chunk. So, yeah, usually that's how it works. Yeah, and we haven't been talking about the actual rates. Um, that's what well, concerns me about the previous tier we were talking about. Um, yeah, well, that, that's what I was getting at. Like Shopify, for instance, they charge the same rates that PayPal charges directly if you know how to hook all this up together. But then they charge a 2% fee on top of that. That's what I was getting at. So, yeah, usually the website will take a little chunk. The third-party place might take a little chunk. The credit card company might take a little chunk. So th- those can definitely eat into your profits. Absolutely. And and, and, and that's where Square might give you an advantage because they're like, hey, there's less hops. Well, 2.7, I believe it's still 2.75% no matter what. Uh, and and we definitely just- will have to revisit. And uh, I believe I'm going to do a show in the near future on um, merchant accounts and sort of how they work and how the payment processing system itself works. Um, but, yeah, you're definitely you definitely do have some rate changes between these options we're talking about. Um, but why, I, I guess one of my interest points is why Square and PayPal specifically, um, Amazon doesn't do this as much, even though they are a third-party payment acceptor. These payment acceptors, they're motivated to provide you with a way to build a branded catalog or to show you how to easily make your own. I mean, how many web developers, I just raise your hands even though no one can see, how many web developers have used PayPal's shopping cart and sent it directly to the PayPal checkout? I mean, that's something if, if you're a web developer and haven't done that, you've probably never had a low-end e-commerce client who, who had no money to put into it. That's, you know, the easiest way to go um, and the cheapest way to go. So it's really in their interest to provide these services, even though they're not directly trying to compete with everybody else we've talked about, you really can just go straight to Square or PayPal or, to a lesser degree, uh, Amazon Payments or Google Checkout. Uh, there's typically some tooling available to promote your products. Uh, anything else on your outline that you wrote? Nope. Just, uh... <laughs> so I think what would be beneficial is you to circle around and do sort of completely you I'm going to sit back you do a review at pretend this were the question if I'm a, a let's say I run a small business and I come up to you and you don't know what the business is I run a small business I have a couple of employees and I say Chris we don't sell online but I know we need to I know we're 20 years late what do we do all right well j- just to recap everything um, 
you know, if you're you're a small or if you're a business and you're wanting to start selling, I would definitely say kind of assess you you know the volume of scale. Like, are you going to be able to mass produce things and and you need to sell a lot? Are you going to start selling a fewer number of items or um, a smaller volume every month? Um, I think that would definitely affect your uh, the price to entry where you're looking at. You don't want to be spending hundreds of dollars a month to sell $50 worth of product. And then again, you don't want to spend $50 a month to sell a couple million dollars of product. You you might run into some issues. So the lowest level again would be um, you know, maybe opening an account with eBay or Etsy or Amazon and listing individual items one at a time. That those would would sell, get you in the market, start moving product. Next level up might be using um, a turnkey site where they run the site for you. You're just kind of your own little uh, page on that site selling um, from your catalog. They handle a lot of the e-commerce stuff for you still, uh, but you might get a little bit more statistics on what stuff is selling and where. Um, then you might go to the hosted site. I think you said Shopify, some of those, where it's your website redirected to this host and it's your site that you configure and look at, but it, it's all their engine on the back end. Um, that would kind of be the next tier. And then if you're running your own servers, uh, installing some software, maybe customizing your current CMS or re-implementing everything on top of one of the open um, open source or commercial e-commerce solutions. And if you're a high-end business, I'm sure you're going to be, um, especially at the enterprise level, looking at multiple vendors, possibly Adobe, Microsoft, SAP, something like that, and, and trying to assess and weigh the, the pros and cons of things. What do you think, Chase? <laughs> I made now, you do all the heavy where, lifting. Th- this is where we circle back to some of the topics we talked about before. Um, once you have a web presence, this is where you start building your brand. This is where you start directing traffic to that. You're using social media, Facebook and Twitter, maybe taking pictures of your products, linking back to your site. Maybe you've started a a Pinterest page and you're starting to post pictures of stuff. That that can actually drive lots of traffic that way. Um, I believe somebody had, you know, Pokemon goes out and it's crazy. Somebody had made a case to help people throw Pokeballs and they, they posted it and it went through social, social media like crazy and he got like thousands and thousands of orders and had to stop taking orders because he can't meet the demand and has to find a way. <laughs> what? Like it went viral. And well, but you know, that's the point you made earlier and I think you're so right about it. You just have to take a look and know your business. What are your needs? What are your expectations? If you haven't gone through, I don't think you need to be super um, – you don't need to be a researcher and rewrite your business plan, but kind of those things you did when you thought about your business plan or when you approached the bank and were asking for um, asking for a business loan or whatever the process was for you formalizing your business, communicating it, and getting it started, those types of expectations that you set, go ahead and set those for e-commerce. Set those for online business. Understand what you need, what you have. You know, assess all of your assets. 
Do you have a website? Do you want to run a website? Is that how you envision your store or do you want somebody going to Amazon and buying your product? At no point should you really take a one-size-fits-all solution, but hopefully what we've been able to do today is um, to really you know, craft the system for you to where you can start throwing darts at a map at least. You know, pin the and, tail and, on the donkey and say, I'm sort of in this area, and now I have a few things that I can go and research. That's my hope. And, well, with a good e-commerce system, or, or depending upon the package or the product or the website you use, this will give you more information than an in-store retail space in some ways. Um, with an e-commerce solution, you can tell when people look at things. You can tell what people look at. You can tell if they add it to their cart or not. You can tell if they get to the checkout and stop. You can tell if they get to the checkout and place an order. You can get detailed statistics of the entire order flow. You can see where your uh, customers are living, like depending upon, uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be creepy. You know, it's very standard that when visitors hit your website, you can get the general region of the country or world where they're coming from Mm -hmm. if people are placing orders you can say oh this is really popular in you know the west or the east or the north or the south these are the products that gain interest but they're not buying it maybe it's priced a little too high oh these are selling like crazy maybe i can increase the price a little bit make a little bit more revenue off of it like e-commerce systems give you that type of intelligence that and, and data that you might not have I don't know if we've talked about this, but everything you just described, secretly, uh, some marketers do on right. in the background without even having product, without having made or developed a product, um, just to see the response and to know if it's worthwhile to go. And instead of doing a focus group where people are really always happy that you're listening to them and and that their um, their ideas are going to help shape a product, sometimes you just fo- float a. Fa- I'm not suggesting do this. I'm just giving this as a tangent. Float a fake product out there to gauge the response, the click through, so and it helps geek. you develop your product. Think Geek. A couple years ago, had a ton ton sleeping bag that went around as an April Fool's joke. It had so much interest and people were so disappointed they couldn't buy it. They made it into a real product. <laughs> That's great. What was the product again? A Tauntaun sleeping bag from Star Wars. What? Oh, oh, okay. So Empire Strikes Back. And when you unzip it, it looks like guts on the inside. Oh, that's It was a Tauntaun okay. sleeping yeah. bag. But yeah. yeah, this is the type of intelligence. Like with a retail space, you can't usually tell what product people are looking at. Right. You can't yeah. see that they're looking at it and they've come in from this other website. Oh, I'm getting traffic from Facebook. Oh, I'm getting traffic from Twitter. You can see exactly where your marketing campaigns work from. You can send emails and you can see how many people open up the emails or how many people follow it to your website or how many people use the promo code. That stuff lets you focus on the business side of things instead of all the technical stuff. All right. So again, hopefully that we really hope that this has been helpful and that you um, not only can kind of position your business and see where your place in e-commerce is and what your next steps need to be. But uh, at the end here, I hope Chris has been selling it to you a little bit of some of the benefits you may get from reevaluating your position in e-commerce, even if you're already there. Are you living up to the potential? Are you living up and getting the leverage out of um, out of the entire, you know, technical deployment that you have that you could be in terms of online retail? And um, hopefully, we brought you back from the edge of confusion that was the the wonderful beginning of this. 
Hey, that happens all the time. Um, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Chris, thanks for joining me today. I really, um, you, you caught me off guard, guard earlier um, when you were asking, uh, and I, I was picking on you. I said, I let you do all the heavy lifting. Um, we'll just pretend I wasn't taking my own notes because you really hit a chord um, laying that process back out again of what our steps are. That was like, this is really good. I can, I can reuse this and take credit for it. That's why at the beginning I was like, you want to start small and build up. You were starting to hop around. You were going to confuse people. You got oh, to build, build it. Let's go all over the world and then compare notes. That's my thought. All right. Thanks again, Chris. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I have no idea what our next topic will be, but we'll figure it out between here and there. Sounds good. All right. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.